Come on and dance. Come on and dance. Ah, I love this time of year, and I love this song. It certainly takes me back to Maple's Pavilion. And while Stanford men's hoops isn't invited to the ballroom this year, the Stanford women are on the floor, and they could be dancing for quite a while. They got the glass slippers on. Well, they're not Cinderella, but I think you know what I mean. The Stanford women's basketball team is ready to roll throughout March Madness. This is going to be a lot of fun. Actually, hang on. Give me one sec. Sorry, I had to hear this one more time. Uh, I always belt that out in my car whenever I hear it on the radio. Welcome back. Glad you're dancing with us here on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Presented by the Believe Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, March 17th, 2021. And we're going to be talking a lot of basketball on the women's and the men's side. Stanford and the Pac-12. Perfect guest to cover all of that ground with is the lead studio host for the Pac-12 Network, Ashley Adamson. I always enjoy whenever I uh, have a chance to cross paths with her and chat about all sorts of things. And looking forward to this conversation with Ashley Adamson. We'll cover, we'll cover all sorts of things with her as she, of course, was, was in the coverage, leading the way, anchoring the Pac-12 Network's coverage of both the Pac-12 men's and women's basketball tournaments down in Las Vegas. So we'll cover that with her, and we'll definitely get her thoughts on uh, what could have gone a lot better for Stanford men's basketball this year. So Ashley Adamson, our special guest here on the TreeCast. Who am I? I'm Troy Clarity, host of this show. Glad to have you with us. Don't forget you can subscribe, rate, and review the program. I always encourage that. Subscribe to it via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Alexa, I think, can hook you up as well, uh, iHeart, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, tune in. No matter which way you want to go, you can hear the TreeCast through your favorite listening app. And then after you check out the show, rate it, review it, and then react to things you hear on your friendly neighborhood Stanford message board. I always appreciate uh, you uh, spreading the word about the show and uh, being an active part of the program. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. C-L-A-R-D-Y is how you spell the last name. Busy, busy times right now with my Pac-12 Network play-by-play -play duties, juggling soccer and baseball and lacrosse and softball as well, hosting a uh, Stanford baseball uh, season ticket holders event later on Wednesday evening. I'm looking forward to, so all sorts of things happening. Man, it is great to be back in it. We'll give you three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics coming up in just a moment. But first, don't forget... Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. NBA, of course, in full swing. College basketball, it's time for the madness. And the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest is in full effect. BetOnline is the spot to be for all of your bracketology needs. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I bet you're going to enjoy our chat with Ashley Addison coming up in the show. But first, three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics. Let's dive straight into it with number one. <laughs> 
And Stanford women's basketball dancing for the 33rd straight NCAA tournament. The Cardinal back in the bracket after dominating the Pac-12 tournament. And Stanford is the number one overall seed this year. First time since the 2013 NCAA tournament. First opponent for the Cardinal, Utah Valley. That game coming up on Sunday at 7 p.m. Cardinal head coach Tara Vanderveer's reaction to Stanford being the top seed in the big dance. What I really tell our team is seeds do not matter. It's not like you're, you get any extra points when you show up at the gym. Um, seeds are irrelevant. Records irrelevant. Uh, being healthy, being excited to play, being prepared. Uh, our focus is uh, totally on um, Utah Valley and just doing everything we can to get ready uh, to play that game. Uh, having gone through every single imaginable thing in this tournament um you know that's that's what we're focused on yeah i would imagine that stanford probably would have been the number one overall seed in 1998 and look what happened that year sorry to bring that up anyway all games are to be played in san antonio as all the all the games will be played there uh, in that city which of course is the hometown of cardinal senior kiana williams we'll get into that and other women's basketball storylines with Ashley Adamson coming up in a few minutes. But first, let's get into number two. <laughs> Meanwhile, Stanford men's basketball is already in off-season mode. The Cardinal lost to Cal in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament last week. That happened for the second straight year. And finished 14-13 and 13 overall. By far, nowhere near where pretty much anyone expected this team to finish up at the very end of it. Stanford not selected for the NCAA tournament, nor is it going to the NIT or the CBI. So that's it. And there is no way around it, no other way to spin it. This is one of the most disappointing seasons, certainly in recent Stanford history, perhaps not just within men's basketball, but, but perhaps across all sports. Now, how different would things have looked in an alternate universe that isn't dealing with COVID-19? How much better could things have gone if, if the key players had stayed healthy and or on the court? How different could this team or this program look next season? First question, obviously, we'll never know. Second question, I think we have a decent idea as things would have looked uh, perhaps markedly better, much better, if the Silva and Davis and Wills and Zaire had been on the floor for critical moments of the season. And that final question, well, as I say this, it's too early to say. Some cool moments in the season. Always great to beat UCLA, especially the way Stanford did it. But right now, those cool moments and positive trends for Stanford men's basketball, a bit overshadowed by some big questions and maybe a little uncertainty. Let's finish it up with number three. And we're going to whip around the farm right now. So, you know, we give you three things that you need to know around Stanford Athletics. This, we're probably going to give you like 3A, 3B, 3C, and uh, 3D here. So let's dive into it. Stanford Wrestling represented at the NCAAs in St. Louis this week. Rakir Vandermerva, Nathan Traxler, Real Woods, and Shane Griffith leading the way for that squad. That meet begins on Thursday. Good luck to them. Stanford women swimming and diving at the NCAA Championship starting on Wednesday. The Card are looking for their fourth straight natty after pulling off the tree-peat last year. Brooke Forty, daughter of Sports Illustrated senior writer and TreeCast guest Pat Forty, one of the card swimmers to watch there. Speaking of rating national champs, Stanford women's soccer bounced back after a couple of tough losses 
earlier in the season. Now they've won three straight and they'll host Cal this Saturday evening. I would highly suggest you watch on the Pac-12 Network, especially with yours truly on the play-by-play -play call for that one. Meanwhile, men's soccer coming off of an entertaining win over Oregon State. Cardinal ranked number two in the country. Beavers were number five last week, and they actually went up one spot to number four after their loss to Stanford. And I'm not I'm not mad at that. The Beavers are, are a pretty good team, but so is Stanford. That said, the Cardinal have a tough roadie to Seattle coming up this Saturday afternoon. Softball's off to a 14-4 start. They'll host Loyola Marymount for three games starting on Saturday. And Stanford baseball begins Pac-12 play this week. The Utah Utes come to Sunken Diamond. That series begins on Friday evening. Stanford is 10-2. Those are three plus things. We always strive to give you more on the TreeCast every single week. We'll have a great chat, a great chat, I'm sure, coming up with uh, Ashley Adamson of the Pac-12 Network in just a moment. But first, a moment to give you the scoop on our friends at eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair that you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for you sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, so that makes it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Well, here we are. Finally, the NCAA basketball tournaments are here. They begin this week. The Pac-12, well represented in both brackets. Stanford, of course, represented by the number one overall seat on the women's side. On the men's side, well, Following all of those things and keeping a close eye on all of those things is a really cool person. Really have enjoyed uh, watching her over the years. My Pac-12 Network colleague as the lead studio host for the Pac-12 Network and just coming off of a, of a roller coaster of a couple of weeks of basketball tournaments and compelling content and programming as always. The one and only Ashley Adamson, our special guest on this week's TreeCast. Ashley, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Trey. It's, it's good to be on this. And I was just giving you a hard time that this is my first appearance on the TreeCast, which I feel like, given the fact that I'm one of your most loyal listeners, I feel like it took a little bit long. But hey, I, no complaints. I'm, I'm very honored and happy that you invited me on. It's good to see you. Hey, I'm always willing to admit what my, my, my shortcomings and when I am wrong. <laughs> My bad. Let's rectify that right here and now. And, and, and we'll get your, 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 your closer thoughts on, on teams and tournaments and things like that here in a moment or so. But, but as mentioned, you're coming off of, 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 of hosting the women's tournament a couple weeks ago and the men's tournament last week um, in Las Vegas. You and the crew uh, stayed back in uh, San Francisco. But even then, uh, sure, much different experience than, than it normally is uh, for you. Uh, what was your sense of how different things were down in Las Vegas this time around, given everything? 
Yeah, it's a good question, Troy. And, and there was, everything was different this year. And then I think coming in, we were all preparing and had plan B, C, D, and E for when things inevitably went wrong or went awry, or, you know, in the year of COVID, you just have a lot of contingency plans. So it, there were some nerves, I would say, at least certainly on my end going in as to like what this was going to look like. We were trying to do, you know, some programming that we had never done before. The setup was different. So we had these very long studio fills in between games uh, that were different from what they'd been in the past. So there was all this sort of reinventing of the wheel for a, you know, event that we've covered, you know, I think pretty well over the last uh, eight, nine years. Um, but everything unbelievably, and it's, I just want to tip my hat to all the people behind the scenes, and I won't start naming them because that would be boring for your listeners and because I'll forget somebody and feel badly about it later, but there were so many people, Troy, who made this, both of these tournaments happen, and to be in Las Vegas, to be quarantined for two weeks, as many of our staff were, and then navigating just all of the things. At Mandalay Bay, where the uh, women's tournament was, they hadn't had an event since the women's conference tournament last year. So I'm talking to our engineer who's down there and he said, you know, I'm looking at stuff that we had set aside when we left and it was untouched because nobody had been in that wow. uh, arena. And so you just kind of realize like time had sort of frozen and here we are a year later um, where everything got shut down. And it was just, it was amazing to see. And again, the fact that we were able to get through both tournaments, not a single positive test, and that we got to celebrate two very worthy champions in Stanford, who was obviously the favorite and just kind of crushed the competition. And then completely the opposite story on Oregon State, a team that was picked to finish last in the conference, making a run. And what an unbelievable story Wayne Tinkle and those beeves were this year. So um, it was just, a, it felt so good at the end of it to, to kind of look back and think, man, we didn't know what was going to happen coming in, but kind of a sigh of relief that we had all these moments. And also the last thing I would say, there was a lot of rumblings, some more public than others, of people who weren't sure if we should have these conference tournaments. You know, let's keep the eye on the prize and is, is it really benefit the teams if, they, you know, we don't want something to happen and them not to be able to play in the NCAA tournament, if there's a transmission or contact tracing. And I, I do believe that after those two weeks, I can't imagine that anyone would look back and say, oh, we shouldn't have done that. There were some really special moments and some amazing stories and performances that came out of those two weeks. And I think it was exactly why so much work went into making them happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and great to see it all go off for the most part uh, as planned and uh, everything got in on time and everything uh, uh, was able to go off as scheduled. And at the very end of it all, as you mentioned, two teams hoisting trophies. Let's start on the women's side because we have manners. Stanford number one as they just went through the entire field of the Pac-12 tournament and just looked more and more impressive, it seemed, as the days went along. What impressed you most about what the Cardinal were able to do down in Vegas a couple weeks ago? Just everything about what they did, Troy. I, I think, you know, obviously they meet USC in the, in the quarterfinals and they hang 92 points on them. Uh, then they play Oregon State, who kind of hung around a little bit in the first half, but then they go on to win by whatever it was, 20. And then in, you know, against UCLA in the championship game, it was it, it just there was never a sense that Stanford wasn't going to be able to win this thing handily. And they won each game by at least 20 points. I think they they set a record for margin of victory in the tournament. They were dominant from beginning to end, there was not a moment where it felt like they sort of let up. And the thing that is most impressive to me about this team 
is the depth and the number of weapons that they have up and down. I mean, Tara looks down her bench and it's like, okay, maybe Haley Jones doesn't have it going right now. Let's roll in. There's, there's eight other people that she can send in. Cameron Brink, the, the game that she had against Oregon State is, is one that I'll remember for forever. Just this fantastic freshman who came out and looked like she was a senior. Um, but then the next night, she doesn't have the biggest night against UCLA, but it's okay because all of these other, you know, Keanu Williams goes off. So there's just so many different pieces that they have. You talk about the whole twins, you talk about Anna Wilson and what she's been able to bring on the defensive side of things and the leadership that she has. It's just Fran Belibi. I mean, you go up and down the roster and it's amazing to think about the team that Tara has this year and Roz Goldonwode, who I know you know well and is a, you know, Stanford, former Stanford defensive player of the year and a, a fan favorite and one of our colleagues at Pac-12 Network. She said to me right when she walked in on day one, she said, there's something, she said, I've been excited about a lot of Tara's teams over the years. She said, there is something about this team in particular that has me more excited than any of those other teams. So it does feel like they've got kind of the secret sauce and, and a lot of that could be attributed to what they overcame in the regular season um, and everything that they did. So they're battle tested. They're in Key Williams, you know, Keanu Williams is hometown of San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And I think we're set up for a, a special run by them. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, they've got a pretty darn good coach as well. And Tara Vander. She's pretty good. Yeah. yeah she's okay. She's, I think she's not bad. She, she's in the team picture as, uh, as one of my buddies would say. And you know, for me throughout the course of the season, Cameron Brink was a real revelation. You mentioned it looking like a senior uh, by the end of, uh, of one of her performances by the very end of it. And, you know, Paige Beckers gets a lot of press and a lot of notoriety at UConn as a freshman and rightfully so, because she is incredible. But I have a feeling that Cameron Brink is going to be rising quite highly by the end of it all uh, at the, at the end of uh, this year's tournament, I'd imagine. Well, you know what Mary Murphy said, and she said this on our air for the championship pregame, she said she believes that Cameron Brink has the ability to be the most special player to ever come through that program. Wow. Period, end of statement. The most special player to come through that program. And you think about all the special players that have come through that program over the years. And Mary Murphy is not one for hyperbole. <laughs> um, so I just, that sort of really grabbed my attention. And I do, I think there's something you know, she, she's a freshman, of course, and there's going to be, you know, certain growing pains and things that she's going to have to get better at, but 24 points, 11 rebounds. I think she had five blocks against Oregon state. She broke Stanford's freshman all-time block record. She just was fantastic all season long. And really, you know, you look at the way that Tara and because she's a hall of fame coach, because she's the winningest coach in the history of the, of the sport, you understand and you can appreciate how she coached her, but she didn't start off, you know, the beginning of her freshman year, just rolling her out there. She did it kind of methodically and allowed Cameron to kind of find her own um, rhythm and comfort. And then all of a sudden we start getting towards the end and it's just like this crescendo. And then she has, you know, some breakout performances in the tournament. And I, I think she's a, you know, she's a matchup nightmare because she can hurt you inside and out. She's good got an unbelievable basketball background you know everybody knows who mm -hmm. her godparents are uh and i just think that she is somebody who is going to be really really fun to watch and and to see grow and to see what the ceiling is for her over the next few years yeah what are your storylines for stanford going forward over the next couple of weeks as they as they make the run through san antonio i think it's honestly the same thing troy that it is for any team right now and that's just can they block out all of the extenuating factors that are what's weird about a COVID year? 
And there are so many things outside of these teams control in terms of everything just feels different, right? Like this is however many times Tara has been to the NCAA tournament, it's a bunch. Uh, this is different than any other NCAA tournament experience they've had. That said, I think, as I kind of alluded to earlier, they, they know what it's like to go be on the road and set up in a hotel for weeks at a time and have that be the, you know, the, their life. They did that um, down when Santa Clara shut down and they had to relocate to Santa Cruz. So I do think seeing how their experience in the regular season allows them to you know, hopefully flourish in the NCAA tournament, that's something that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. And can they put it all together? Um, it, it, it always takes some luck and a ball bouncing your way here and there to be able to make a truly special run in the NCAA tournament. We've seen that happen with a lot of different teams over the years. It's not just that the most talented team always wins. It's, it's never just that one thing. But I do feel like if they can stay healthy and if you know there's no COVID issues, which hats off to, to them for not having a single COVID issue within the program, despite being displaced and on the road and all the things that they had to overcome. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many different storylines. I'm, I'm excited for the seniors. I think Kiana Williams is such a special player and, you know, the, the performance that she had from the three-point line after not shooting well from beyond the arc, you know, up to her standards all season long to see her get hot and get going in Vegas from deep that that's exciting as a, if you're a Stanford fan to know that, you know, she's, she's, uh, she's ready to roll. It's her senior year. And, um, this group knows what was taken away from them last year. And we, I got to interview a lot of the players and they talked about it. Like we, it was devastating to not play in the NCAA tournament last year. They were that last game they played was against Oregon, which they just felt like they fell flat in the championship game of the PAC 12 women's tournament. So they're hungry, they're battle tested. They've got all the talent in the world. They've got the best coach in the game. Um, and just the biggest question to me is, can all the pieces sort of fall in place? And can we finally end this drought since 1992 of no natties for the, for the women's Pac-12 teams? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Kiana Williams going back to her hometown, finishing out her senior year. Key has been the key throughout much of the season. And very That's well right. could be once again over the next few weeks. Six Pac-12 teams uh, in the women's bracket overall. Uh, Arizona, what a fantastic story they've been over the past few years. Oregon, Oregon State, uh, UCLA, and Washington State. Congrats to the Cougs along with Stanford. Uh, of those six, and maybe obviously besides Stanford, uh, of those other five, who do you think could go far this year? You know, it's a great question. And I think you look up and down and there's so much talent, right? Like I think for me that the Arizona, the question is they've got great guard play. They got the fastest player in the country in Ari McDonald. They've got, you know, Trinity Baptiste adds this toughness and this resilience. And she's been unbelievable since transferring in this year. They have a lot of the pieces. Now the question is they're unbelievably a, they're an unbelievable defensive team, but as Adia Barnes says, yeah, but we got to convert. So it's one thing to stop teams and hold them to, you know, 45 points or whatever it is, but you got to be able to score. And, you know, Arizona has, has gone on scoring droughts. And if you do that for too long in an NCAA tournament game against teams who are, are very talented, it'll be hard to advance, but Ari McDonald came back to go to the NCAA tournament. It was why she put off the WNBA for another year and she is a woman on a mission. So that's a team I think that could get hot and make a run. UCLA, they are thin. They don't have a deep bench. They've got eight players, but the players they do have, you'd go to war against anybody with. I mean, Charisma Osborne, 
is just a star and and she, her she, I feel like she's just scratching the surface. Michaela Onyenwede, same with her. She's going to play in the pros and she's just she had a really really special. She put the entire UCLA Bruin team on her back in Vegas. Um and she just has the ability to affect the game in so many ways. So I really like those two. I'm really curious to see you mentioned Washington State and again kudos to Cami Etheridge for ending what has been a 30-year drought for the NCAA tournament. They've, that program has never won an NCAA tournament game, and I, I believe that drought will come to an end this week. I love what she built up there. No one anticipated them to do ever, anything. It was like, okay, well, Chanel, Molina, and Bobby Buckets are leaving. What's going to happen in Pullman? Oh, geez, good luck up there. And Charlize Ledger-Walker comes in and just has one of the most remarkable freshman seasons we've seen. So there'll be a, a, a tough matchup for teams. Um, and I, you know, again, I feel like I'm, you, you asked me to pick one and I'm going through all of them now, but the thing to like about Oregon too, is that they have a phenomenal coach in Kelly Graves. And it sounds like there's not going to be uh, Tahina Pow Pow is not going to play, which is a huge, huge loss for that squad. You saw how it kind of hurt them down the stretch in their last couple of games against Oregon State, not having their point guard. They're young, but they've got unbelievable talent. And I think that this is a team that felt like they should have won it all last year. Now, granted, their three all stars moved on to the WNBA, but this is a team that if there was any type of unfinished business and that sense of like, man, we should have won this whole dang thing last year sure. there's yes they've got new players but I think that that feeling and that chip on the shoulder still carries over so there could be a lot of great runs I, I'd say for the one other than Stanford that I think has the ability to really be a matchup nightmare if they stay healthy is UCLA yeah yeah right there with you on that one uh, let's switch over to the men's side here in the Pac-12 tournament. Admit it, you had Oregon State winning the tournament the whole way, right? Yeah. You saw oh, this I, whole I thing called coming. it. Yep, I can't believe you guys didn't see that. I totally <laughs> called that from day one. No, I mean, but seriously, what an awesome story. It really was so special to see. And as much as my heart hurt for McKinley Wright and Deshaun Schwartz and those Colorado seniors who are, are going to never forget how that game finished, um, it was so special to see Wayne Tinkle and that's because here's the thing you can rewrite history all you want but there was the narrative out there which was unbelievable to me but there was the narrative out there that Wayne Tinkle is nothing without his trace just wait and see what happens to those beeves when he's not there he's not they're not going to do anything there's reason they were picked 12th in the preseason poll by the media who obviously we don't know anything and for him to go out and you just saw it build throughout the year they they had you know, stretches where they play really well. They never won or lost more than three straight games until, of course, the Pac-12 tournament, they go on the run. And I think what was so special, and Don McClain, my hat's off to him, our analyst, he called it on the on the pregame show. Of course, everyone was picking Colorado to win. Oh, the bees must be out of gas. Can they really do it again? Colorado is battle-tested. They've got McKinley Wright. How can you bet against him? It's such a great story. And they just went out and worried about Tiche and, and Ethan Thompson and Jared Lucas, like they just, they captured something special. And that's what Don said in our pregame show. He called it. He said, Oregon state's going to win this game. They, they have bottled up something really magical and you can see the belief when they take the floor. Um, and we saw that play out, you know, in, in three different games throughout the tournament. And it was just really special special, special to watch. And Wayne, after the game, dedicated it to Trace, who 
by the way, having that Trace and uh, L and Joss, that Tinkle family energy back in the stands for the first time all year, that was uh, that was special, and I loved absolutely seeing them. So yeah, it was it was a memorable, uh, you know, again, like we said earlier, kind of the opposite of what we saw on the women's side, which was just pure domination from the number one team through the whole thing. It was a it was a true kind of March Madness moment. Um, and one that I think I'm going to remember for a really long time. Yeah, the madness is going to be hitting core Vegas all weekend long. That should be a lot of fun uh, to see how far they can go. Uh, I'm impressed by Colorado. Uh, I'm intrigued by USC, and I'm interested in Oregon. Which Pac-12 teams in particular are you going to be keeping an eye on as that bracket unfolds? I think the Ducks are still the team from top to bottom that I believe in the most of, of making a, a really big run. I think they, you know, obviously had a short visit to the Pac-12 tournament shorter than they would have liked, but Dana Altman is just a wizard in getting the best, you know, it never starts the way that you're kind of like, how are these pieces all going to fit together? And by the time February hits and into March, it's like they're clicking on all cylinders. He's just a fantastic future Hall of Fame coach. 24 straight winning seasons for him. So I think having great guard play and having a coach like Dana Altman is going to be able to, those two things can take you very far in the NCAA tournament. They also just have, I mean, Chris Duarte is somebody that we don't talk about enough. I think that he, you know, if I had a vote that mattered, I would have voted him for player of the year. I think what he meant to this team and the way that he played and the passion that he brings and just how he affects the game in so many ways, both on the offensive and defensive side. He's really special. Eugene Omaruri coming in as a, as a transfer from Rutgers. I think he was added so much. He was the only duck player to, to start every single game over the season. So he was just sort of like that, um, you know, anchoring presence for Dana all season long. But I, I feel, I feel good about Oregon uh, making a run. USC really intrigues me too, Troy, because you talk about, everything in the tournament is about matchups and their length. How do you, 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 you can't have a scout team that can create what it's like to go against a team as tall as USC, as athletic and unbelievable and versatile as Evan Mobley. You can't have somebody, you know, practice that. And so I think the first time, you know, teams are really going to have to go up and deal with it. It's going to sort of put them on their heels and, and hopefully they'll be able to make a special run. Evan Mobley is just a fantastic player to watch. I really loved you know, the first half of the very first game of the Pac-12 tournament, he did not play well. He had two points. You saw the way that he went from there and it was just phenomenal. I mean, he, all of a sudden it was like, okay, I am going to prove to everyone that I should be the number one overall draft pick and I'm going to show you what I can do. And he scored and he blocked and he rebounded and he made big play after big play. So I think he's going to have a special postseason. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what else. I mean, how about UCLA and Michigan State in the sure. play-in game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have ever predicted that? Uh, two blue buds going at it. And, and again, Mick Cronin, I think, is a fantastic coach. They sort of ended the year on a slide and not the way that I think they wanted to, obviously. But um, they've got some pieces. And, you know, you always wonder, man, what if Chris Smith had still been healthy and there's a lot Jalen Hill, I don't think is going to be back. So there's, they've got an uphill battle, but that's what's fun about this time of year. I, yeah. You've seen flashes of all of these teams playing at a really, really high level that could make you believe in them. Yeah. Um, a lot of what, what ifs for Stanford, obviously no postseason for them uh, looked like it was going to be a terrific season. And unfortunately a lot of things went against them along the way. Uh, in your mind, what happened when you were watching and you're, and you're seeing things, you know, with your own eyes and you know, hanging out with the analysts and things like that, 
what didn't go right for Stanford that could have? You know, what's crazy is that there was a point in the middle of the season where it felt like, man, despite everything going wrong, right? how are they doing what they're doing? Like it was Jared Haas was, you know, we were talking to him up for coach of the year uh, when despite losing three of his starters, they were still figuring out ways to win basketball games. And I was so impressed with how they came out and, and performed despite having all the injuries and, you know, Zaire Williams being out a few times because of uh, contact tracing and COVID protocol. And obviously he was dealing with some personal stuff and know how to know he had to go to some family funerals. There are so many things. I think when I, when you talk about Stanford, they, they are an example of this, but it's worth noting just for every team, there was so much behind the scenes that people on the outside never have any idea about what, what a player, what a coach, what a team, what a program is, is facing. And that is exacerbated in the year of COVID. And I just think there was so much, I mean, th these guys were mentally and physically exhausted by the end of the season. You saw it in a post-game press conferences, Larry Kraskoviak and, and Bobby Hurley were as emotional as I've ever seen them. But you look at the way that these that everyone battled throughout the season and then again there was just so much going on behind the scenes and and the toll that the isolation was taking like these players weren't allowed to see their families or their friends they were getting a swab stuck up into their you know brain every single morning they were getting up at 6 a.m to do that I mean there were so many things along the way that I think really warned them so Stanford in particular it went from being this unbelievable story of how are they still winning games and how are they making this happen and hats off to all of them to it just sort of the wheels came off at the end. And I, you know, I don't know what, what exactly to attribute it to. Obviously there was some stuff with Dejon Davis and him not playing due to coach's decision late in the season. I'm sure there was some stuff going on there. They were missing players. And then Oscar Da Silva to me is the heart and soul of that program. And when he missed a couple games and then obviously he came back and, and tried to give it a go, but he wasn't hundred percent. You could tell when he was playing in the tournament it was devastating for me because he is the epitome of what a student athlete is and, and just sets the bar so high for, um, you know, the right way to do it. And I wished that his Stanford career hadn't ended the way that it did. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's probably is when you pull back and, and I'm sure Jared and his, his staff are doing exactly that and looking at what went wrong, where did we go from, oh my gosh, we've got all these, you know, Spencer Jones was, and Jaden Delaire, like the way that they, Michael O'Connell, they, so many different guys stepped up when, when the starters were out. And then it just felt like as they started kind of coming back in, there was never that rhythm. They never quite found their way. And there were some games they certainly should have won um, down the stretch. So it is, it does feel like a season of sort of what could have been. Um, and, and I think as for Stanford fans, I'm sure that's frustrating because I think they've felt this way a few times uh, before with the last, when was the last, when was that Johnny Dawkins sweet 16 team? 2014. Yeah. 2014. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a little while. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Uh, as we wrap this up, it's been a little while since college sports in, on the whole, like everyone, not just football, but everyone back in the mix. We're trying to squeeze in soccer in the middle of it all. The spring sports are going. It's just all one huge mass convergence right now. As we wrap this up, how good does it feel to be back in it completely? Oh, it's, it is the best feeling in the world. And, and like, you know, that you hear players who get injured say it like that you appreciate the game, but until you have it taken away from you, you don't fully appreciate it. And I just feel like to me, 
we never thought that we were going to have a conference tournament canceled. We never thought we weren't going to have, you know, a football season or any football games on the Pac-12 network or that we were, there were all of these things that you just assumed were going to happen and that you got used to. And then when they get pulled away, you just, you appreciate it so much more. And, and like you said, all of the, I mean, shout out to the SIDs right now who <laughs> yeah. are, I don't know how they're still keeping their head above water and shout out to their families too. Um, because what, what they're being asked to do with all of the sports going on at the same time and all the championships happening, like as a, you know, right at the exact same moment, it's, it's must be crazy, but it just, it is such a gratifying feeling to look around and think, man, this season has not been perfect. There's a lot that, you know, I think people have learned, but I do believe wholeheartedly that we are all going to be better off for having gone through something as, as hard as this and, and the players and the coaches in particular, um, there's just a resiliency that I think is created when you go through something as, as difficult as what this season was. And I'm not under any, you know, preconceived notions that starting next fall, it's going to be totally back to normal. And we're going to have full pack stadiums and everything will be back to, you know, happy go lucky. I, I don't think that we're out of the woods yet. I do feel like there's more hope than there's ever been. And the vaccinations have been you know, unbelievable to be watched rolled out. And I hope that everybody can get vaccinated as soon as possible and that we can get back to life as we knew it before the pandemic. But I think we will all be changed. And I think we will all be changed for the better. Um, if not for anything other than the fact that we will appreciate every single moment and every single game that we get to go to from here on out in a way that, that maybe we didn't before. Well said, not much more I can add to that, except this. Watch her all the time on the Pac-12 Network as the lead studio host, pregame, postgame, in-game, halftime, all sorts of other stuff. She's had you covered since day one and will continue to do so. Always great to catch up with the one and only Ashley Adamson. Ashley, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the knowledge. Best of luck. Best of health. And I uh, can't wait till we cross paths again soon. Hopefully, uh, hopefully some point uh, really, really soon. I appreciate that, Troy. Great to see you as always. And yeah, hope hope we get to connect soon. There she is, Ashley Adamson. Always great to uh, catch up with her and uh, and 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 get her thoughts. And uh, you know, well said at the very end. And you know, I, a few other things throughout the course uh, of that chat. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how far USC can go on the men's side. And Colorado, there's a lot I like about them. Um, as well. And UCLA could be a very, very difficult team, tough to handle. Uh, they're not deep, but man, the quality that they have there. You do not want to bump into the UCLA Bruins on the women's side of things. So uh, really excited to see uh, how things shake out in that respect. But uh, one thing that Ashley certainly uh, discussed was, you know, I mean, look, e even in normal circumstances, there are so many things that have to go right in sports for you to win games and for you to win a series of ball games and even come close to sniffing a championship. And in some instances, it doesn't take much for that apple cart to be upset. So many things have to go right in order for you to be in, in contention and in order for you to be able to, to win, to win games. And we've certainly seen that with Sanford football, right? I mean, all the things that certainly seem to go right for Stanford football throughout much of the past decade, great play, uh, health, um, other teams losing when they needed to in order for Stanford to get to where they needed to go. There are all sorts of things that, that go into it, not just what, what individual teams 
can control. Now, yes, there's a lot that they can control too, but there are all sorts of other facets and all sorts of other factors that go into it. And that has never been more true than it has been in this academic sports year where, where we're all having to deal with all of this. So, you know, all the things that, that Stanford women's basketball had to go through to get to San Antonio and to be in the NCAA tournament, it kind of makes it even more remarkable when you consider those things, what that team did to get to this point. And it also kind of reminds you of just how fragile things can be when you look at, at the trajectory of the season for Stanford men's basketball, too. Championships, winning seasons, winning games, those don't just fall off of trees. And that is true even for Stanford. There's a lot that goes into it, both on the farm and off. And certainly appreciative that to this point we've had the opportunities and the chances to, uh, uh, to see the Cardinal compete. Best of luck for Stanford men's basketball in this offseason. And man, this it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun ride for Stanford women's basketball in San Antonio. San Antonio's been good to uh, Stanford uh, Stanford basketball programs. It seems, uh, it, it seems over the years. But uh, we'll see what happens. I, I'm looking forward to it. As always, you are welcome to respond to anything that you hear during the TreeCast. Best way to do that is via Twitter, hashtag TreeCast. Hit me up with the hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to ensure that I see. What's on your mind when it comes to Stanford athletics, uh, basketball, football, of course, uh, which is the heart and soul of this podcast, and anything else that's happening on the farm, I'm always here for you and your thoughts. As mentioned, don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate it, and review it. I certainly appreciate it when you do that. And we'll come at you next time. I think we're on track to come at you next week, and if and when we do... We're going to focus on Stanford Football Pro Day. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Won't be able to be there in person, but I will certainly be uh, keeping an eye on the festivities this time around. How will Davis Mills do? Simi Fajoko has all the tangibles. And how will those show up throughout the, his uh, Pro Day workout? Uh, Walker Little, Paul Snadebo, a lot of a lot of faces to keep an eye on during Stanford Football Pro Day, which is set to happen on Thursday afternoon. So uh, our next episode, in all likelihood, will focus largely on that. Until then, thank you for being with us here on the show. Big time special thanks to Ashley Adamson for being with us, our special guest on the TreeCast. But of course, the biggest thanks, as always, goes out to you for checking out the program. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Mask or casket. And if you get the chance... Get that vac. Get that vaccine. Let's beat this thing once and for all. I will talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network.